Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter number four and read there in second Timothy chapter two and second Timothy chapter number three second Timothy chapter number three amen uh, for those uh, who had interest and I told them to mention this in the classes today as well uh, brother Alex Mason will be meeting with those uh, whose interest in the photography videography at 4 30 this afternoon that's at 4 30 this afternoon that'll be taking place if that is you then uh, please be here promptly at that time, and uh, he will talk to you concerning that. Tonight uh, will be our, uh, our, our State of the Church address. Tonight, our State of the Church address will be here this evening. Amen. Kind of in reflection and looking forward uh, for the new year. So uh, be here for that as well. Luke chapter number four. I'm going to read one verse, verse number four. And the Bible says, And Jesus answered him, the him being the enemy, Satan, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Second Timothy chapter number two and verse number 15, the scripture says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy, now just one chapter over, chapter number three, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, we're going to pick back up talking about the word of the Lord this morning, hopefully finish. Amen. But we'll go to the Lord in prayer right now that the Lord would help us in the next few moments. Father, I come to you today. God, we need you, Lord, in this place. God, we need your spirit. God, your power, Lord, to show up, Lord, here this morning. God, I pray, oh, Lord, you would touch our minds afresh and anew, Lord, as we, God, consider the word of the Lord. God, let that word, Lord, I pray, God, be expressive, Lord Jesus, in our lives and help us, God, to live by it. And we will not fail to give you the honor and the praise for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So continuing from two weeks ago, you've slept some time since then. But just a little perhaps review, if I can, participation from the audience. You can just holler it out. You don't even have to be uh, raise your hand. But anybody can tell me about approximately how many writers there were of the scriptures. Close, around 40, around 40 writers of scriptures written on how many different continents? Three, three different continents. I know we've slept, haven't we? Amen. Over a period of about how many years? 1,500 years. Amen. So just see, that's a good thing we're doing this. Was there true or false? Was there a chapter and verses in the Bible from the very start? False. See, I gave you one there, didn't I? Amen. So just some things about Scripture. I want to go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. Because the word of the Lord itself tells us things that God's word is profitable to us for. 
four ways or four uh, means in which the word of God profits us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. You remember that's God breathed. It's God breathed. God uttered. Amen. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So first of all, how, well, how does the word of God benefit me? Number one, it is profitable for doctrine. We, we use that word. We use that word a lot. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses that word. Uh, other denominations uses that word. But a doctrine is basically this. It's a belief or a teaching. It's a tenet, if you will, of the faith. Basically, a doctrine is referring to something that is that is taught. And so the doctrine, though, of course, that we teach and preach in the church here is not something that is a man's idea, but it is a God idea. It is inspired by the word of the Lord. It's inspired by scripture. And so the, the Bible teaches us specific doctrines throughout the word. And um, again, what we try to uh, primarily teach here, I should say, ultimately teach here are those doctrines of the word that this is our source. Um, 15 out of 19 occurrences, even of the word doctrine are found even in the pastoral epistles of first and second Timothy and Titus. And so here's what doctrine though is good for. So the Bible is profitable for doctrine, but what is doctrine good for the teaching? What is that good for? Well, it structures the way that we think about God, about each other, about our life live for the Lord. Not only that, doctrine determines what we believe. That's important. Uh, we've said many times that we need to know what we believe, not only what we believe, but how we believe. And it also then, if you can affect how somebody believes, then you're going to affect how they behave. And so doctrine is important. Because it not only affects then our belief system, it affects our behavioral system. Some things that the Bible or doctrine teaches us is that the Bible teaches us the nature and the character and the power, the existence, even, even if you will, of God. The Bible, the doctrine teaches us how all of us are part of fallen nature, fallen humanity, a sinful state. Doctrine teaches us that. It teaches us, we've looked at some of these things two weeks ago, but it teaches us, doctrine is, it tells us that we must be saved in order to have eternal life. That's absolutely necessary. It tells us how then we overcome temptation and sin in order to accomplish that. Doctrine, that's all a part of doctrine. It tells us that how we should live a holy life to please God, uh, what is necessary in order to be a part of the church of God, how to treat each other. Man, that's a doctrine that we need. Amen. And it's all right there in the word of the Lord. Concerning doctrine, I admonish that we should be Bereans like in Acts chapter 17. The Bible says that whenever they were taught or instructed concerning things, that they would receive the word. Then they would search them out in the word daily and to see if it was so. In other words, they weren't just accepting uh, what Peter and James and John and some of those were preaching just at surface value, but they took what they said. They measured that against what the, the Old Testament law of the word said, and they said, okay, what they said was true. I accept that in my life. Uh, that isn't a bad practice. Amen. To judge doctrine according to the word of the Lord. Judge what you're being taught. What you hear on the radio, <laughs> your favorite speakers on TV, <laughs> measured against the word of the Lord. Because if you don't 
have the word of the Lord that you're measuring it against, you may be led down a, a road of false doctrine. And if you had just accepted at face value, then you're just going to leave a lie, as Scripture says, and be damned, according to the word of the Lord. So doctrine is important. Again, it's not man's philosophy. It's not, we're not trying to purport doctrines of whatever the most popular opinion is, the trend of the time, all right, or just a tradition of man. But the word of God, we must go back to the word of God and remain faithful to the word of God. The Bible says in Titus 1 in verse number 9, it says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. He says he's going to use sound doctrine in order to have some type of influence upon those that are in disbelief. But what he's using for that sound doctrine, he tells us right from the very beginning, he's holding fast to the faithful word. And so the word of God is given to us. It's profitable for doctrine. But number two, the word of God is profitable for reproof, for being reprimanded, for being a harsher word might be for being scolded. Uh, for being admonished. Uh, how many times have you ever been in a service? I know people have told me this, sometimes jokingly, but there's a serious undertone. But they said, Pastor, you stepped on my toes today. You know what? You've just received the profitability of the Word of God in reproof. In reproof. It is reproving. It reprimands us sometimes. The actual word reproof simply means this. Bring to life. God's Word is profitable for bringing some things to light. The Living Bible says it like this. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. The, 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 the God's Word translation says, God's Word is profitable in that it points out errors. And so with that in mind, let's underscore, we're starting a new year again, right? We're just in January, so you still have time to jump on the horse of that Bible reading program. This is another reason why it's important, number one, to read the scriptures daily. Number two, to come to church where the teaching and the preaching of God's word is taking place because we need a daily dose of God's word because it's profitable to me for reproof. It has the ability of bringing to light some things that may be in error in my life, but I don't know it unless I digest it. I don't know it unless I read it. And so it helps bring to light maybe what is wrong or some errors in my life with the hopes, of course, as James said, that I don't just look in the mirror, see everything disheveled and just walk away and forget what manner of man I was. But I wouldn't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer also of the word so that whenever my hair is whacked out, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I kind of fix it. Same thing with the word bringing things to light in our lives. We don't see it and say, well, that's wrong. Well, I'm good with my wrong, and everybody else is just going to have to live with it. No. But with the sake of seeing what is wrong and trying to take measures in order to correct it, and God's Word can help us with that as well. And so it is good for reproof because guess what? We are imperfect Christians. We are imperfect Christians. We live in an imperfect world. We have a first apostolic imperfect church. Maybe that's what we should have called us, F-A-I-C. First apostolic imperfect church, but uh, we are imperfect people. And sometimes I need the chastening, the scolding of the Lord. Amen. And it doesn't always feel good, does it? We make mistakes. We get out of line. We flub up. 
But God is our source of reproof. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and verse 6 and 7, For whom the Lord loveth, everybody say loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endured the chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? We're called the sons and the daughters of God. He says, well, if indeed we are the Lord's sons, then we must expect that there will be times of chastening because that is how he deals with his sons. He chastens them. And the Bible says he loves those he chastens. Very simple illustration. You may have had it a thousand times, but you correct your own personal children because you want them to grow up to be responsible adults, right? And you do that. And you, you've heard it before. You know, you sit down before the discipline action takes place. This is going to hurt you more than it hurt. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you type of speech and understanding. What they're saying is they love you. And the only reason why they're bringing our attention to this is because of that love. Well, the Lord loves us as well. And whenever the word of the Lord brings to light some things that are in air, again, the Lord's not being malicious. He's not being mean. He's not being overbearing. But he knows what is required in order to walk through the gates of pearl someday. And so he has our best interest in mind. This is, we are living in qualifying time right now. We're living in one qualifying time. And he's going to aid us in order to qualify. It's just like the man in the book of Esther, you know, Esther and all the maids were given a person over them to prepare them for the time that they would go before King Ahasuerus. They were given this person because he knew what was pleasing unto the king. And he was going to try to feed them and talk to them and instruct them of what they must do so that whenever they had their moment before the king, that they would appear and they would be pleasing unto the king. That man was very important. And so me, even as Myro, sometimes I'm kind of here, I'm looking through the scripture, I'm saying, here's all the qualifications. And so we try to teach, we try to preach in order for whenever you stand before the king someday, right, that, that, that you stand before him and you are pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. And so sometimes things sting and they cut us from the word of the Lord. Important, it's go back, tie it to the word. See, that's a great thing about being a preacher or a teacher and allowing the doctrine to be the doctrine of the word. Because when it cuts or when it reproves or brings to light, that's not me. That's the word. That's God's word. And so we lean upon that. So we need the chastening of the Lord because it is always... Always is always and never some of the biggest words in the English language. It is always for our good. It is always for our good. The Bible says in Psalms 94 and verse 12, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord. He's blessed. And teachest him out of thy law. Revelation 3.19, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As many as I love, he says, I do that unto. So the word of God, it's profitable unto us for doctrine, for reproof. Number three, it is profitable unto us for correction, for correction, which basically means this, to mend our ways. It's profitable to us for straightening up again, which brings in mind restoration. Because if you straighten up again, that means somewhere in the past it was straight. 
You're just bringing it back to a condition of where it once was. And so you straighten up again. The uh, Young's literal translation says the word of God is profitable for correction or for setting a right for correction of errors. So note, though, sometimes it's hard for the correction unless it's first brought to light. So we got reproof and then we got correction because something's got to be brought to light sometimes before they can be corrected. Right. If you didn't know it was wrong. It's hard to correct what you don't know. So there's reproof, bring it to light, then for the straightening up, if you will. The straightening up. And so it's going to be brought to light. I'm chastised, and because of that, I understand there was an error, there was something wrong. I need to mend my ways. I need to make something right that was wrong. And so God helps me out. He, he offers a door for restoration. If there's ever going to be a place for restoration, the church needs to be that place. We can send people to programs, and there are good programs out there, and I'm not knocking any of them. But if there's in ever a place someone could, should be able to say, I got restored, it should be the house of God. It should be the house of God. And so I come for the chastening. I repent unto the Lord because of what happened, and then there is a change in my life. And it's all, notice, all of this is by the Word of God. It's not like the Word does one thing, and i got to have some other tool to do it. No, 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 no. This, this is like a, like a one-size-fits-all. I know today they call things one size fits all, but you know what? <laughs> you have all experienced that. Huh? On some people it's a little tighter, on others it's a little looser. Right? <laughs> well, the word of the Lord is truly a one size fits all type, type of, uh, of, of, of word of God predicament, if you will. Number four. So the word, good for reproof. It's good for doctrine. It's good for a correction. But it is also good for, it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Someone say instruction. Instruction in righteousness. Training in righteousness. Amen. The, the, good, the good word translation says, training them for a life that has God's approval. I like that. The Amplified Bible elaborates a little bit more. It's good for discipline in obedience and for training in righteousness in holy living, in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. It's instruction in righteousness. In other words, God's word Helps us not just with our actions, but with our character. Our character. Who we are, if you will. Uh, it educates us in godliness. It educates us in holiness and in righteousness. It is our handbook for Christian development. It's our handbook for Christian development, both on the outside and on the inside. It is a part of our spiritual training, uh, the word of the Lord. Psalms 119 and verse 133 says this, Order my steps, or conduct my life, if you will, in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Now, let me say this. You will be better off having the word of the Lord in your life whenever it comes to iniquity. I'm not saying it's an, uh, it will never happen, but you are better guarded by having the word a part of your life ordering and can help and conduct your life than if you were not to have it at all. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, speaking of the earth, what manner of persons ought ye, ought, ought ye to be in all holy conversation or behavior and 
godliness. What, what, what type of person should you be in behavior? Again, instruction and in righteousness is helping our behavior, our character, our conduct. And as we did our, our series in Second Peter, you will remember that the setting of all this, Peter is calling to mind through a people that were doubtful about whether the Lord was going to come back. He stated plainly that the Lord will come again. He stated in verse 2 of Second Peter 3 and verse 10, the Lord will come again. And he's saying, seeing that then all things that you see around you is going to be dissolved. He said, how are we living our lives? How are we living our lives? We need to live our lives with holy conversation or holy behavior. How is that accomplished, Peter? He says, allowing the word of God to profit you, if you will, by being an instructor in righteousness. Can someone say amen? An instructor in righteousness. And so the purpose of the word, it profiting us in these four areas, but the purpose then of the word is 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, which means complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If you have it for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for correction, then it's going to help make you complete. It's kind of like, this is where the word comes from, a whole number, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's not a fraction. If it was two-fifths, something else has to be added to it in order to make it whole. He says, whenever you have the word of God, he said, the word of God will make you complete, not part, not partial. You'll be complete. Matter of fact, scripture even tells us that we are complete in him. But look at several of these things that it furnishes Amen. that we're thoroughly furnished unto good works. And there are several of these and I'll just try to hit them. We won't have all the scriptures up there because, well, it would be too many. Remember, when we started out, there were 76 verses a part of this lesson. Okay, amen. All right. The word of God is something that it thoroughly furnishes, something that it gives. It is creative power. We see that in the very book of Genesis from the very beginning. It's creative in power. The Bible says, and these are those that you will not have. Psalms 33 and verse 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews 11 and 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed. Everything that we see, touch, experience, amen, were all formed and made by the word of God. There's creative power in the word of God. Now think about this. That wasn't just creative power for the beginning. God's word still has creative power. That's why, that's why whenever we live our life, all right, we live our life in Christ. These are Christ's words, and we come to know the Lord. That creative power just isn't in his word. It's in him, right? Because the word came from him to begin with. That's the reason why whenever you find yourself in Christ, as the scripture says, it says you are a new creature. The only way that all things can be made new, amen, is by him and his word. Because it all still has creative power. It can begin, it can put a new start where there was seemingly a it can enter, it can interrupt, if you will, your life and have some creative power and start something anew and afresh. The word of God is saving power. It's saving power. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, and these are just portions of that verse, being born again by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We're born again by the word of God. The Bible says that we receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save you. And so the word has saving power. 
You'll remember the scripture talking about whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? And how shall he preach except he be sent? What is all that tied to? It's tied to salvation. Amen. It's tied to the preaching or the uttering of the word of God. So there's saving power in the word. We are begotten by the word. Underscore obedience to the word. Matter of fact, let me just go there real quickly. In Romans chapter number 10 where there's that, that list of whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you go to Romans chapter number 10 and you go then to like verse 16. That's just leading right up after all of that list about how the preacher must be sent. This is what the scripture says. Romans 10 and verse number. Yes, verse number 16. I'll read verse 15, though, ahead of it. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. All right. Look at verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. In other words, they're saying you can hear it. But if you don't obey it, it doesn't profit you unless you go to obedience mode. And so the word of God is powerful. Amen. You're born again of the word because you obeyed the word. You heard the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You had faith and believed and obeyed. Amen. And that new creature, if you will, that creative power takes place in your life. The word of God has healing power. Anybody ever experienced the healing power of God's word? The psalmist said that he sent his word and he healed them. The centurion in Matthew chapter number eight came to the Lord. He says, the Lord, he says, I have a servant. He palsy, he's sick of the palsy. He said, I, I need you to, you, to, you to heal him. The Lord says, well, I'll come to your house. The centurion, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He says, I'm a man of authority. I tell the people, go, they go, come, come. He says, just say the word only. Say the word only and he'll be healed. And the Bible says the Lord spoke the word without going to the man, laying a hand on him, anything. He spoke the word at distance. And the Bible says in the selfsame hour that the word was spoke, that that centurion servant was healed. There's healing power in the word. I'll tell you that sometimes when I'm sick, I put my phone on to read to me the word. I'm serious. I'll just sit it there on my nightstand, just pick maybe some psalms, and it just reading, reading the word to me. I've slept with the word under my head, on my chest, everything else. I'm not trying to get ooky spooky, but I'm just saying the word of God works. The word of God works. I believed it, that it had power, amen, to heal my body. Hallelujah. It has power. It has reviving power. Not only can it heal, it can bring back to life that which was dead. The word, it is a quickening agent. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 119 and verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. For that matter, in Hebrews, one that we like, the word of God is, what does the scripture say? The word of God is quick, right, and powerful, right? That word quick means the word of God is alive. That's what it means in the actual Greek. That word of God is living. It's living. As a matter of fact, it's so alive that Jesus could stand at a, a beer or a coffin where a man was, a, a young man was dead, say, arise, to wit that God was in Christ. Jesus spoke, arise, and the boy gets up. 
Jesus stands at the cemetery and particularly says, Lazarus, come forth. And the word spoken causes a man to get out of the ground. I'm convinced that if he just said come forth, we'd had a lot of dead bodies coming out of the ground. <laughs> because his word is a reviving word. It had to get specific. Lazarus, come forth. The word of God is a cleansing agent. The Bible says, ye are now clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It says, and you hear this on the radio program, 101.5, Brother Pat. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The, sanctifi the sanctifying, it's a purifying agent. Is not my word, the Bible says, as a fire. What's fire known for, particularly when you're talking about gold and things like that, it is a purifying agent. So the word of the Lord is a purifying. The word of the Lord is a judging power. Someone say amen. Judging power. John 12 and verse 48, Jesus said, He that receiveth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Hello, I want to know the word. I want to read the word. I want to acquaint myself with the word. Why? Open book test, folks. Open book test. This same thing's going to judge me in the last day. And if I read it now, it'll judge me now. To keep me huh, from ultimate judgment in the end. See, if you get judged along, don't allow it just to all damn up till the last day and then be judged. You have no time to correct the error. But let it judge a little bit day by day, service by service, while there is time availed to us for correction. Amen. It has a judging power. Notice again, Jesus said, he said, you rejected me. How did we reject you? You rejected my word. Woo. Lord, I love the Lord. I, I praise God. I love him. Well, if you don't be obedient to his word, then you got lip service that is faulty in practice because you rejected his word. Because in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was. And so this is the very thing that is going to judge us. It has judging power. The Bible, the word of God in scripture, it's described as a hammer. Right? It's like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Right? Which, you know, you take a hammer to some boat or even just one of those rocks we have out there in the landscaping. Don't do it, please. But if you were, just start hitting away. You know, you might not see much happen. You might see little pieces fall off. But if you keep doing it, you know, you've all seen the videos. People that's going to split big boulders, they take rods and they hammer those rods down at, at spaces into that rock. And after a while, that thing splits totally in half. Sometimes it just comes against our life. Seems like nothing's taking place. Nothing's happening. But if you'll allow it to keep hitting, it will get. And the thing is, the Bible's described in so many different ways. It's described as a hammer, but it's also described as the snow. Now, those are two quite different things. The word of the Lord is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The word of God is like the snow. I mean, really, hammer, snow, what we got here? Because the Bible is so versatile that sometimes it's like the snow that sets in a spot for a while. And as it melts, it penetrates into the ground. 
Amen. And sometimes the Bible is just, just like the snow. Sometimes the Bible says in Psalms 119 and 105, you all could quote this, many of you. Let's see if we can do it. Thy word is a boom unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word is a lamp and a light. It's a lamp unto my feet. It, it helps shine and give direction right where I am, but it's also a light to what's still yet before me. Amen. That's great. So God's word isn't just good for the here and now, but even for the there and then. Amen. If we'll allow it to be, it'll be a lamp to our present feet, but a light to the path that is before us. Amen. The word is Jesus Christ in written manifestation. We have this, John 1, 14, and the word was made what? Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. The word of God can inspire and help your faith. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Look at all the benefits. So when we talk about it will help the man of God to be perfect and fully furnished, I challenge you sometime, just go through the scripture sometime and look at all these things that the word of God is, and you'll see it's fully furnishing power in our own lives. Now, the question is, and I got to hurry because we're not making this a three-part on just the word. All right. What attitude then, and I've touched on this already a little bit, what attitude should our attitude be toward the Bible or the word of the Lord? And I'll say this, this is number one primarily. This should be your attitude to the word of God. Obey the word. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. The Bible says in Psalms 119 and verse 9, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy Word. In other words, taking heed, that word means by attending to, observing, conforming, obeying the word. That's how a man should cleanse his way. And so by obedience, we need to be respectful of the word of the Lord. Amen. With honor, with all glorify, if you will, the word of the Lord. We need to receive the word of the Lord openly into our lives. Amen. We need to, if you will, hide the word in our heart, as the psalm says, so that we might not sin against him. We need to, here it goes, beyond reading the word, we need to study. Well, I'm not a preacher. Never said you were. But we are to study the word of God. Study to shew thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. You need to allow the word to dwell and live inside of you. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Someone say amen. Love the word. Someone say love the word. Love the word. Meditate upon the word. Amen. Over and over. You know, whenever you meditate upon something, it's not just thinking about it, but you're, you're really giving some careful consideration. It's like taking a 2D object off the page and making it three-dimensional, kind of looking at all sides of it. You got to meditate upon the word. The Bible says day and night that we meditate upon the word of the Lord. There's so many different things. 
that we can do. We need to apply the word. Whenever we have teaching and preaching and the service has come into that end of altar service and we go up there and we pray, we need to leave the house of God wanting to apply what we have heard in that service to our individual lives. Application. Living out the word in our individual lives. Another thing we need to do is combined with the word, combine prayer with the word. Give ourselves to prayer and the word of the Lord. Amen. I like to talk to the author every once in a while. Huh? Because doing that brings enlightenment sometimes to what I'm reading. I could ask another individual, but they're just like me. They're reading a book that was authored by somebody. But sometimes if you want to know the greatest understanding of the book, talk to the author. They have book clubs. We could sit around and talk to each other about it, but talk to the author about it. Go to the Lord in prayer, and he can grant understanding where we didn't have it, amen, before. And so as we enter in again into this new year, I challenge you, take up the word of the Lord. If it's been a while since you've tried to have a daily reading, do a daily reading. There are all kinds of programs out there, folks. You can read it within a year. You can read it within two years. You can read the New Testament twice, the Old Testament once. I mean, there's all kinds of programs out there at your fingertips if you got a phone, smartphone, not a dumb one, but a smart one. If you got a smartphone, it's at your fingertips, all these different reading programs. You can buy one-year Bibles from Pentecostal Publishing House. You can just go through and read as you go. That is absolutely important to read the Word of the Lord and study the Word of the Lord and search the Scriptures of the Word of the Lord. Here's a little uh, thing that one man wrote. His name was Paul Borthwick was his name. He said, I supposedly I knew my Bible, reading piecemeal, hit or miss. Now, a bit of John or Matthew or a snatch of Genesis, certain chapters of Isaiah, certain Psalms, the 23rd, 12th of Romans, 1st of Proverbs. Yes, I thought I knew the word, but I found that thorough reading was a different thing to do. And the way was unfamiliar when I read the Bible through. You who like to play at Bible, dip and dabble here and there, just before you kneel weary and yawn through a hurried prayer, you who treat the crown of writings as you treat no other book, just a paragraph, disjointed, just a crude, impatient look. Try a worthier procedure. Try a broad and steady view. You will kneel in very rapture when you read the Bible through. Read it through. Now, I told you, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would much rather you read it consistently daily than to be able to get it read all within a year. And you did the micro-machine speed reading and said, I did it, but you didn't really retain anything. As a matter of fact, this past year, I'm still reading my Bible through from last year. I'm not finished yet because I decided last year I was going to go slower. And so I'm not done with my Bible reading of last year. I didn't get it all done in a year. might take me two years, but I've went more slow than what I had done in previous years. And so just take it in, amen, and see what the Lord will do for you, amen, in your reading of the word. Also this morning, another reason why it is important to study the word of the Lord more than just read the word of the Lord, because it can help protect you from false doctrine. The scripture warns us about false prophets, about false teachers that will even increase in the last days. And so the more you know what is right, 
you can recognize what is wrong. And so it's important then to study for that, that, that alone. And the Bible says that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. That basically means this, that you can cut it straight. Cut it straight. We understand the Apostle Paul had a lot to do with two-thirds of the writing of the New Testament Scripture. And Paul, his occupation was a tent maker. Uh, he made tents. Even with Aquila and Priscilla, he joined them and they made tents. And so it was important for them in making tents that the material that they made the tents out of, that you would have a straight edge when you cut so that everything pieced together well. And so Paul uses then that word rightly divide for the purpose of cutting straight. He's leaning even on his occupation, how important it was to have a straight edge so everything kind of comes together appropriately. And so we rightly divide the word of truth. If you'll stand with me today, I'll come to a close here. Scripture says that there would be some people that would rest or wrestle with the word of the Lord. What that means is that they would try to make it say something different than what it truly was. They would try to distort Scripture. The Scripture, though, itself tells us we are not what we're not to add to. We're not to take away from the word of the Lord. We're told that in Deuteronomy and the law. It's brought back to our attention in the book of Revelation that we're not to add to and we're not to take away. If we add to, he says, he'll add to the plagues unto us that are written in that book. Or if we'll take away, then he'll take our name out of Lamb's book of life. And so we're neither to add to nor take away. I have no problem with reading different versions. I have all kinds of different versions of the Bible in my office. Just got a new Bible in the mail just yesterday. But... Uh, so I have no problem with that, but we do, you know, go back to the word of the Lord. We commonly use around here the King James Version, you know, 1611, you know, so on and so forth. But the things with Bibles, and you may already know this, you know, some Bibles are more word-for-word type translation. Then there are other Bibles that are more paraphrased, like the message. It kind of gives you an idea of what's said, but it's not word-for-word. And some, you know, skip over. So usually I read, you know, other translations, but I also then use this as an anchor point. Amen. To keep me settled. And anybody have a Thompson Chain reference Bible? I'll tell you something about a Thompson Chain. I didn't know just to maybe just a few months ago. I've had one for years. Thompson Chain. I realized really why it was called Thompson Chain. If you start in Genesis, let's say you start in Genesis 3 and you go down to verse number 20. And outside there it has a little letters and it tells you a reference of another scripture. When you get to that next scripture, it will show you another reference. And they all relate to the very first verse. And so it's like a, a link in a chain. It'll keep referring you to another verse that links all the way back to the one in Genesis. And that's the reason why. So I don't know if that helps anybody. But you're looking at somebody that's been preaching and teaching for years and just finally knew what my Thompson chain was all about. <clears throat> so when you get a Bible, you might read those first few pages in the front that explain how to use it. <laughs> With that being said, amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in this place this morning. God, I love you today, Lord Jesus, for this word. God, I pray, oh, Lord, it's the word that's going to judge us. It's the word, Lord, that gives us guidance and direction, Lord, in our own lives. I pray, oh, God, today I want to take your word and I want to hide it in my heart, God, so I might not sin against thee. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, it brings the Lord Jesus to light. God, errors, Lord, in my life. 
God, it helps, Lord, and it will aid, Lord, in corrective measures, Lord, that need to be done, Lord Jesus, in my life. I pray, oh God, help me to fall in love with this book. Help me, Lord Jesus, to consult it, Lord, daily. God, that it can be that lamp to my feet and that light to my pathway. Help me, Lord, not just to read it, but to ponder it, to study it. God, I need that word to be a healing to me, Lord Jesus, to be. I pray, oh God, have creative power in my life, God, that it would fully furnish me, Lord Jesus, in every venue of my life. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, God, somebody that is here this morning that needs salvation, I pray, God, help them, Lord, to find that in your word. They are begotten, Lord Jesus, by your word, by obedience, Lord, to that death and that burial and that resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord, by repenting of their sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new because of the creative power of God in that word Lord we need that Jesus today in our own personal lives I pray oh God that you're able to help us with it Lord oh God oh God what we stand by today will be judged by tomorrow I pray oh God help us Lord Jesus in these endeavors and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen and the church say amen amen before you Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.